0: It's four o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris from Calvary, Belmar in Lakewood, Colorado, taking your questions and your prayer requests today and would love to pray for you. If you've got something going on in your life or in a, a friend or family member's life that you'd like some prayer for, please do call in. Also, if you've got any Bible questions, I uh, would love to talk with you about those. You can call us today at 303-690-3000 or you can text 720-336-0897. Once again, you can call at 303-690-3000, or you can text 720-336-0897. Looks like we've got a caller already. Line one, Brian from Denver. Brian, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. I'm good. How are you doing?
2: uh good, so I have a prayer request, here. so I barely found out like one of my best friends um Sally lost her mom uh for
1: um
2: yeah I think last week uh because of cancer, so I think um prayer requests and I think uh also like advice how to approach him uh because I think he has like been invited to a Christian church and has gone to a Christian church, but out of that he's been like in his own doing his own thing so
1: yeah, absolutely. Let let's definitely pray for him. Uh, what's your friend's name? Uh, Kevin. Kevin. Okay, and he lost his mom last week. You said? Yes, last yeah, yeah. around like last week. What I heard. Yeah. Well, Brian, uh, you know what? What I would say that the biggest thing you can do just to kind of reach out to him is is just to say, "I'm so sorry for your loss." Uh, let him know that you're praying for him. I think that people, even if they're non-believers, nobody ever wants to turn down prayer. You know. Um, so I just let him know, say, hey, I'm praying for you. And uh, and even invite him to come to church, you know, say, I know you could, you're you looking for some hope right now. Um, what, what would you think about coming to church with me? Uh, it'd be a great way just to kind of open the door. But I think the biggest thing you can do really is pray. And so I, I'd love to pray with you for him today. Um, so Kevin and he lost his mom in the last couple of weeks. And so uh, let's bring him before the Lord together. Lord, we just um, thank you for Brian's heart, for his friend, and just as Kevin lost his mom recently, Lord, to cancer, um, what a a heartbreaking thing um, to to go through and to experience. I have several friends going through cancer right now, Lord, and I know just the hardship that that is, um, and then to lose your parent, Lord, it's it, it's heartbreaking for him. And so I pray right now um, that you would bring him comfort and peace, Lord. I pray ultimately, Lord, that if he doesn't have a relationship with you, if he hasn't placed his trust in you, would you just um, speak to his heart right now, Lord, by the power of your spirit? Would you draw him to yourself? Would you put believers in his path that would, that would just... Um, share your love with him, Lord. Brian being one of those. Would you just give Brian wisdom as to how to minister to his friend Kevin, Lord, and how to uh, to love him with your love, Lord? And so I pray. Um, that you would show those believers that are in Kevin's life just, just how to effectively minister to him and um, pray that you'd bring him comfort in, in this time, Lord. And just uh, as the time of grieving is is such a vulnerable open time, Lord, uh, I pray that his, his friends that know you would be equipped by your spirit to reach right into that situation and share your love with him. And so um, we pray all this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh- uh- all right Brian well thank you for calling um and you know just 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 love him just talk to him just let him know that you're there for him um i think inviting him to church is a great thing to do or mm-hmm. if um if the conversation opens itself up you know just ask him if you can pray for him there um and just yeah. kind of just kind of open that door you know and yeah. paul the apostle we were talking about this at our, at our church a couple of weeks ago paul the yeah. apostle was asking the believers uh and and Coloss to um, to pray for him that he would have open doors and then to also pray that he'd have the boldness to walk through them and so um, that's going to be my prayer for you just that, that you have open doors with your friend and then that you have the boldness to walk through them and, and share Jesus's love with him.
2: Uh, Pastor, actually, you know, I'm kind of like uh, scared of what happened because a friend actually had her mom also died from cancer so it's like happening again and Uh, We were, like, really close, and uh, he actually became an atheist because of it, and it's, like, you know, it's, like, something, like, uh, deja vu kind of, like, feeling again.
1: Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And, you know, honestly, if he became an atheist because of that, I would imagine that he's not really an atheist. I would imagine that he's angry at God. I think that would probably be where he's at, because because of that situation, you know, just angry at God in that, and and he's probably that way right now too. But, but that's where God wants to meet him, you know, right in uh-huh. the middle of that. And so, um, yeah, don't don't worry about being afraid. Just just ask the Lord for the opportunity and ask Him to help you have the boldness to walk through it. And pray for him. Really, prayer is the biggest thing you can do. Um, absolutely. So.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. And yeah. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, Appreciate absolutely. It. Thanks for your call, Brian. All right. You are listening to the Monday edition of Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris from Calvary, Belmar, in Lakewood hosting the program today. Uh, and if you're on the west side of town in, in the Denver area, would love to have you come join us on a Sunday sometime. We meet in Lakewood at basically 1st and Garrison Street, and we have services at 9 and 10.45 a.m. on Sunday. would love to have you join us sometime. If you have questions today, you can call 303-690-3000, or you can text at 720-336-0800. Would love to pray with you or answer any questions you may have today. We have listeners uh, all up and down the front range from um, Colorado Springs up through uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and also have some folks listening in uh, in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Maryland on Hope FN. So I want to welcome you guys to the program today. Once again, you can call us at 303-690-3000 or text 720-336-0897. Looks like we have Bianca on the line. Bianca, welcome to the program today.
3: How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing, Bianca?
3: I'm doing really good. I have a question about women leading worship. I mean, is it okay for a woman to lead an entire, when it's men and women? Because I know it's it's not biblical to have women pastor a church in terms of having authority over a man, but but can a woman lead worship, or would that fall into the category of having authority over man, or is that only supposed to be just in a women-only setting? Or Because I have heard of different churches that have done that and obviously I don't want to judge them because I know it's not our place to but I guess I'm just wondering what the Bible says
1: yeah that's a that's a great question Bianca and I think probably many of our listeners might might wonder that same question um, and to, to get at the root of that, I think we have to determine what role a, a woman is playing in leading worship in that sense. And so the, the sense that I typically see women lead worship, I, I would say that it is biblical and it is acceptable. We've had women lead worship in our church, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Some of some of my favorite worship leaders uh, have been women over the years. Of, of course, it's not my preference that matters, it's what the scripture says. Mm-hmm. Right. And in the Bible, the the only role that's really forbidden for women to, to take in the church is that that has authority over the doctrine of the church. So really it would be that pastor role. Pastor. Yeah, and so if if you're saying women leading worship in the sense of a woman being uh, a, a pastor that's overseeing the worship ministry and is teaching and setting doctrinal authority, I think that that's a little bit different than having a, right. a worship leader that's leading and singing and and um, leading in songs. And um, for that, I'm very thankful. You know, you see in the scriptures, there's so many roles for women in the church women can prophesy in the church women can pray in the church so there there's certain groups that take this the the the, the biblical roles of, of men and women into to to extremes but what we see through the scriptures really um doesn't do that it's this that one role of the overseer that has doctrinal authority in the church does that make sense
3: Yeah, it really does. It really answers my question. And I have not personally experienced any churches that have actually had women pastors as far as them being in charge of the doctrine and stuff. So I guess I was just curious as to... But now that I know, I guess I can just pray that the Lord would lift up more women worship leaders, I guess, yeah, <laughs> because I, think that's a great I know that most of the churches have men worship leaders, and of course, I'm not against you know any of that but but I just wish that there would be a, more women worship leaders that can step up and be godly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know there are there are um, at, even in kind of our our local Denver area um, setting, there are some great female worship leaders. And I, I think of Lindsay Tucker; um, yeah. she has led at our church a few times, and um, some of these some of the, the the other worship leaders around that that do a great job, but. Um, I, I think that's a great thing to pray. I think uh, I thank the Lord for those uh, ladies that have been gifted in that area to lead us in worship. Um, and really, it, it comes down to um, the set authority of God and the structure that he has. And so when we think about women um, and men and our roles in the church, uh, it's not really a, a better than or uh, anything like that. That's it's, right. It really comes down to the way that God has established his authority and the structure. And so there's, there's the two places that we have this prescription. One is in the home and one is in the church. Um, and outside of those specific instances, women are free to do um, all manner of things and in, in all sorts of ministry. And um, I, I know that in our church, at least, uh, we couldn't do 90% of what we do as a church uh if we didn't have women involved in it, and so
3: yeah, that's so true, all right, well, thanks a lot for answering my question.
1: yeah, absolutely, thank you for your call, Bianca. You have a great day
3: you too, bye,
1: God bless. All right, you are listening to the Monday edition of Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris hosting today's program. You can call us with your questions at 303-690-3000. You can also text 720-336-0897. Let's go to David on line 3. David, welcome to the program.
4: Hey, what's going on, Pastor? How are
1: you? I'm good. How are you doing?
4: Good. Uh now I, I know on, I know this, David. You know, yeah <laughs>
1: All right. how are you doing uh,
4: good um, Good. so a friend of mine and we were kind of bouncing some things back and forth um, and one of the things we were talking about was Daniel chapter 12 verse 13 um, and I maybe different translations say it a little differently but my particular translation says uh, uh, Daniel uh, be faithful to the end uh, then you will die but you will rise to receive your reward at the end of time Um and to me, that that kind of confused me a little bit because I think Paul talked about something um, uh, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Um, and to me, that kind of saying, you know, I, I think some Lutherans believe that when you die, you know, you're kind of dead with your body until, um, you know, as it said in, I think, Revelation, where the dead in Christ will rise first and the rest of us will be caught up with Him. Um, so that kind of whole thing has kind of given me a little
1: confusion. Yeah. Um, no, that's a great question. Can you give me the reference again one more time? You said Daniel 12. Yes. 12,
4: 13. It's actually the last uh, verse in, in the book of Daniel. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. yeah. I'm looking at it right there. Okay, perfect. Yeah, but where it says, but you go your way till the end, for you shall rest, and you will rise to your inheritance at the end yeah. of the days. Um, so there's a couple different things. If we look specifically at this verse, there's two different things that this could be saying. Um, so it says, for you shall rest and you will rise to your inheritance. Uh, the inheritance is at the end of days. It doesn't necessarily say that he's going to rise at the end of days um, in that, that verse right there. And you can look at it in a couple different versions. Uh, if we go with the New Living Translation, for example, uh, you will rise again to receive at, then at the end of days. So it, it, that the, the, it could be talking specifically about receiving the inheritance. It could also be talking about the actual resurrection which is different from being home with the Lord as you pass away. Um, yeah. And so if it's talking about the resurrection, it's talking about when all of us are given our new glorified bodies from the Lord, and that is at the end of days. And so um, we know that, as you said, you, you referenced um, that 2 Corinthians 5, 8, where it says um, that to be absent from the bodies, to be at home with the Lord, you know, that right. scripture. Yep. Um, so we know that that's the case. So as we, if you were to, to die today and you're a believer, follower of Jesus, you would be home with him today. Um, yet there is a future glory, a future resurrection body that you're going to receive um, in the end. And that's different from now. And so uh, my opinion on that verse, Daniel twelve thirteen, would be that that's what it's referring to, that once, once th- that time comes, we're given our new, glorified resurrection body. We we'll rise again, um, in that sense.
4: Okay, that makes a little more sense. I think maybe I was kind of maybe getting tunnel vision on the part where it says and you will rest and blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, that actually, yeah, now that you kind of explain it that way, it kind of makes
1: sense. Yeah, and you know, I think the other the other side of this too. And so what you're what you're referring to, some people. Have a doctrine of what they call soul sleep, um, where when you die you don't actually go anywhere consciously. It's just you die until the resurrection, um, yeah. which 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 is kind of the the next logical step from that thought process that you were thinking through there in Daniel twelve thirteen. So do we just sleep and then we wake up? But we know yeah. from what Jesus said in uh, Luke chapter twenty three. Is when Jesus is there with the criminals, you know, and he has the thief on one hand, and or the the, the two thieves there, and the and the guy is there, and Jesus says, oh, "Hey, yeah, 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 yeah." He says, "Today you will be with me in paradise." Um, and so so Jesus very clearly right there speaking to the thief says, "Hey, uh, right now we're we're here on these crosses, but but today you're going to be with me in paradise." And so that's a very clear statement of the fact that to be absent from the body is to be home with the Lord in a sense
4: oh yeah okay yeah that totally actually clears it up for me I think now I'm starting to totally make sense of it
1: yeah cool that's great well it's Luke 23 so um
4: Luke 23 me write be right
1: down, yeah yeah take a look there d- dig in a little bit Luke 23 and that gives you kind of that insight okay well he said today is, is when we're going to be uh, in paradise and so the, as you as soon as you're you're your earthly body passes away um, if you believe in and belong to Jesus you will be with him in, in heaven so it's a great promise we have
4: okay cool well yeah I guess that answers my question
1: appreciate All right. it man yeah yeah sure no problem thanks for your call and have a great day you too sir alright God bless All right, you are listening to the Monday edition of Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris from Calvary Belmar in Lakewood, Colorado, taking your questions and your calls today. If you have any questions, you can call us at 303-690-3000. If you would like to text, you can text us at 720-336-0897. And it looks like we've had a couple text questions come in. I just want to take a quick look here and see what we've got. Uh, Let's see here. All right. Um, So so one person has um, texted and asked, why are there so many beliefs regarding infant and adult baptism? And then there's the full immersion and sprinkling or indoor or outdoor. And how do we know which is right? And does it even matter to get the teaching correct? So um, this is a great question. And there are different beliefs regarding this, even within uh, what we would consider Protestant or evangelical Christianity. Uh, I know that that many Lutheran churches practice um, infant baptism. And the, the way that we believe about this uh, at our church and, and really most Calvary chapels is that baptism is a choice. Um, it's an outward sign of an inward work. And so, as you put your trust in Jesus you are made a new creation as we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 you're made a new creation and so the old is gone the new has come and baptism is a is a symbol of that work that's taken place in your life and so it's it's in my opinion is is for an adult to choose to be baptized um, and they make that choice out of their faith in the Lord. We see that over and over again in the New Testament that uh, someone becomes a believer and then they get baptized. And so uh, that, that's just that's, that's where I kind of fall on that. Um, infant baptism, I know that, that some Lutherans do infant baptism in and um, some of them don't actually believe that it's the same thing as like an adult baptism. It's more of a, what could be called a christening or a dedication. Um, At our church, we do child dedication, so if you have an infant, uh, what we do is we dedicate our child to the Lord and we dedicate ourselves to the Lord, to raising them to know the Lord, uh, just like Samuel's mother did with him in the Old Testament. But as far as baptism goes, um, the, uh, the choice to be baptized, I believe, is one that should be made by someone that has placed their faith in Jesus. Hope that helps you out there. Once again, this is Pastor Nate Morris hosting today's program. You can call us with your questions at 303-690-3000 or text at 720-336-0897. And it looks like we have Karen from Colorado Springs on line one. Karen, welcome to the program. Thank you. How are you doing was today, just Karen? I am
5: calling for a prayer request, a simple prayer request. For something that happened to me a year and two months ago. Okay. Um, I'm a caregiver and have been for 25 years. Um, I've received 13 good caregiver awards in the course of the years I've been at this particular job. I also have a daughter who has disabilities who I've been taking care of since birth, and she's 21. But. Um, Something happened a year and a half ago with a patient um, who tried to attack me, and I simply was blocking his hit from hitting me, and the caregiver that was supposed to be helping me sat down and was using her phone instead and reported some not true statements about me. So um, the company that I worked for called the state regulatory uh, to tell them, something and now they're they're questioning me and I'm praying that I won't get my license or my my CNA license suspended or revoked because there's mean-spirited people out there that are trying to hurt other people who are doing the right thing
1: yeah yeah absolutely I I would love to pray for you Karen and um, you know the 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 great thing is that the Lord knows the truth and um, and he will bring the truth about ultimately. And so let's pray that that comes about sooner than later and okay. that righteousness prevails in this. So let's come before together before the Lord. Yes. All right. Lord, we just lift up Karen to you, and um, we just ask that you would intervene in this situation, Lord. Um, her work, her livelihood depends on her being able to care for people, and she um, she serves in this profession because she cares for people, Lord. And... And I I know that you know the details of this situation, and you know everything that happened in this situation, Lord. And so I pray that you would let the truth come to light, Lord. I pray that you would um, let it be known what actually happened. I pray that that your glory would be shown through this situation, Lord. And I pray that right now in the midst of this, that you would just give Karen peace uh, in her heart. Help her just to find hope and rest in you in the midst of this, Lord and that you would comfort her right now. And we just trust you with this situation, Lord. We put it in your hands, and we ask that you would um, show yourself mighty and strong on her behalf. And so we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.
5: Amen. Thank you. I really needed that. My heart's been really heavy and laden over this whole situation. And I've always been a believer. I go to church. I pray, you know, but I know that things happen. And um. I can't stop letting this take control of my life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. uh,
5: You know, there's some mean, like I said, mean spirited people out there. The devil's working overtime. Yeah. So I just really graciously appreciate your prayer. Because I know whenever two or more are gathered in his name, he hears.
1: Yes, he does. Absolutely, and honestly, we're on this line right now, and, and everybody listening in their car is, is, is hearing as well and is uh, in agreement with us. So um, I'm believing God for, for some good things in this situation. So um, if, you, if you get back a good praise report, please give us a call back and let us know, um, let us know how will. this turns out. I I'll let you out. know
5: what the outcome is, and thank you, and God bless you.
1: All right. God bless you, Karen. Have a great day. All right, you are listening to the Monday edition of Calvary Live, taking your calls and your prayer requests. I am Pastor Nate Morris from Calvary Belmar in Lakewood, Colorado. If you have questions, you can call us at 303-690-3000, or you can text at 720-336-0897. And it looks like we got time for maybe one more call before the break. We've got Tammy from uh, Colorado. Tammy, welcome to the program.
5: Uh, hi, Pastor Nate. Um, God bless you. And I just really had a quick question. I grew up with Mormons uh, when I was a kid. My mom had eight kids. They had 13, so there was a couple for every one of us. Um, I have Mormon friends now, and I know a lot of Mormons. They're some of the best people I've ever met in my life. Um, and they always tell me they believe in Jesus and they believe he's the Son of God. And so I really don't know how to minister, because I hear that, you know, they're not really saved, or they believe a false doctrine, so really my only question is, um, if I ever have the opportunity and the Holy Spirit empowers me to minister to a Mormon friend, I don't even know where to begin, because they always agree with the few things that I've ever said, so, and like I said, they're some of the best people I've ever known.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I've known many Mormons myself, and and you're absolutely right. They are some of the best people I've I've known, and I think the reason for that gets into what I'll talk about in just a second as to how we can minister to them. But um, the the reality is is that we know from the scriptures that none of us can be good enough. You could be the best best person alive, and yet you're still a sinner, right? Yeah. Um, and so the the challenge with with Mormons is that the the terms that they use are very similar to the ter- terms that we use. They'll use salvation, justification, and heaven, and some of those words, um, but their definitions for those terms are different than the way that we would define those. Um, and so when you talk to a Mormon, they would say, well, I believe in salvation by grace through faith in Christ, right? Um, but their idea about that is different than just saying that statement. That's not the same uh, as what we believe about salvation as a, as a Christian. And so they believe that it's each person's works that will determine where they spend et- eternity. So ultimately, um, th- the salvation comes through works, really, um, fr- from a Mormon mindset. And so grace is, a, is kind of a, a foreign concept to them. And so I think the the biggest thing that you can do really uh, in ministering to Mormons is to share with them the grace of God, the love of God, and the reality of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Um, because a lot of Mormons you will find as, as you, if you have conversations with them is that they may appear to be great people on the outside and they may have great confidence and kind of assurance, but ultimately a lot of them are... are weary and tired from striving for perfection. And I hear the music. So we're coming up on the break. So uh, um, we'll just have to cut it off there, but I might have a couple more words after the break and um, have a, a great day. Thanks for your call.
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000.
1: All right. Welcome back to the Monday edition of Calvary Live. Again, we'd love to take your calls at 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. This is Pastor Nate Morris from Calvary Belmar in Lakewood, Colorado, um, taking your calls today. And before we went on the break, Deb had called in and asked about ministering to Mormons, and uh, I just wanted to touch on that just a, a little bit more. Um, really, the, the idea behind their uh, their view of salvation is it is dependent upon your works here on the earth. And as Christians, we believe that we're saved not by works but through grace. We're saved not from good works but for good works so we're saved by grace and then we're able to do those good works by the grace of God working in us Um, and I think really what one of the things that I that I think is residing in most Mormons minds is am I gonna be good enough am I worthy enough and in my mind one of the best things you can do to really minister to them in that situation is to kind of reinforce that doubt to um, to say no, you're not good enough because the reality is none of us are good enough. We know that as the scriptures say, our righteousness are like filthy rags and no one's declared righteous by this, the, the standards of the law. And so as you do that, they realize I'm, I'm not good enough. And then you can bring in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that um, Jesus has exchanged our sin for righteousness if we will trust in him, that he died in our place to make us holy Um, So, just kind of wanted to to wrap up that thought before we move on. Once again, this is Calvary Live, the Monday edition. You can call us at 303-690-3000 or text 720-336-0897. And it looks like we have David on line three next up. David, welcome to the program.
0: Hi, thank you for taking my call and thank you for your ministry. my question relates to uh, what the caller, a few callers back, raised in the passage in Luke 23, which has to do with Jesus' words on the cross to him, uh, today you will be with me in paradise. And the question is whether when Jesus said that, when he says the word today, is he referring to the time when they're going to be in paradise or the time when he's making the statement? In other words, he could be saying, I'm telling you today, you will be with me in paradise. But... Uh, but the time when the, he's going to be in paradise might be unclear, and the, re- the only reason I raise that is that in First Peter, I think it's in First Peter, I don't have it in front of me. Um, it says that Jesus, after he died, he went down uh, and ministered to the spirits uh, in Hades, more or less. I guess I'm paraphrasing, but that kind of mm-hmm. suggests that after he died, there was a period of time when he was doing something other something else, and then he uh, ascended into heaven. So I wonder if you have any thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that because um, this is one of the things that uh, specifically the Jehovah's Witnesses will do as they approach that scripture in Luke 23 is uh, try to make it say that Jesus is saying, assuredly, I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise um, and there's two things I have, and, and I'll address kind of that scripture specifically first, and then we'll talk about um, the idea of um, Hades and paradise and Abraham's bosom and all of that in just a second. But the context that we're looking at in Luke chapter 23 is Jesus there on the cross. Uh, he's got the thieves next to him. And in verse 42 of Luke 23, um, the 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 thief that's there is saying, it says, he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And so um, this thief here obviously realizes that Jesus is the Messiah. He knows that even though he's going to die right there, that something about, he's going to work it out somehow, which is just great faith uh, if you ask me. But Jesus replies to him in that moment. He says, assuredly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. And so there's multiple reasons that I believe that Jesus is specifically referring to today being the day that he'd be with him in paradise. One of them is that the question that the, the, the thief asked him was, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replies to that and says, assuredly, I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. So he's addressing like, hey, so the thief says, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And then Jesus is saying, well, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Um, the second there is, a, there's not, there's not a punctuation that we can look at in the original text that says the the sentence structure of this, but the structure itself the, of that verse in Luke 23, 43 doesn't lend itself to saying today, I'm telling you something. Um, okay. and the way that it would read would just be, it would just, it would read really awkward to try to make it say that. And that's gotcha. what the. That's what the, um, the Jehovah's Witnesses have done with what they call the New World Translation of the Bible. They have their own translation. And they've, they've moved some things around and made it kind of word that way. But the, the sentence structure doesn't lend itself to that. So that's just, just that verse. Now, all that said, somebody could still theoretically make it say that, what you just said. And so for that purpose, we do need to still address um, whether or not when we die, we go to be present with the Lord. And you mentioned um, the, the the section in First Peter um, where it says that he ministered to the spirits now in prison um, yeah. and that whole section. And so there are multiple views on this section of scripture that you're talking about. And um, I'm not going to list all of the views there. And some people believe that based on that, that Jesus went to hell, um, which is not a valid explanation, I don't believe. Um, some people believe that he went to what is called... Um, Abraham's bosom, where you you read where Jesus was talking about Lazarus and the poor man, the rich man and and Lazarus, the poor man. And it described these two kind of compartments, if you will, of Hades, the word being Hades, the Greek word Hades, which essentially means the afterlife. Um, And there was the compartment that Lazarus was in, which was where Abraham was and um and it was you know essentially a waiting per- a waiting place for heaven and the other one was what we refer to as hell ultimately it was it was a place of great mourning and weeping and nobody could cross from one to the other and so this is the the picture that we get of that and then jesus when or when we see that, that peter peter is saying that he went and ministered to this to the spirits there uh, what i believe really is going on there is that he was in paradise so Abraham's bosom, paradise, um, right. mm-hmm. basically essentially preaching the good news and leading those captives out because the, 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 the people in the Old Testament were saved the same way that you and I are saved, um, right. which was by, by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so until that time that he actually died and the, the, the price was paid, they were kind of shut up, if you will, in this holding. Place of Abraham's bosom or paradise, and um, and as he went there, he re- he led the captives on high, as it says. Um, that that's my take on that whole thing. Um, if that yes. makes sense.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And so, just finally, to follow up on that, and and I appreciate those answers. Um, when it says he led the captives on high, does the sense is it, is the sense that? He is leading them to a place that is on high or they already are on on high and he's leading them there
1: yeah so um, it says in Ephesians 4: 8 um, it says when he ascended on high so he ascended to go on high he led a host of captives um, right, okay. and so in my sense in my sense it's kind of like he's letting letting the the setting the prisoners free if you will out of paradise which is which was not really necessarily a bad prison to be in but it's pales in right. comparison to heaven you know if you will so right
0: okay well thank you very much I, I very much appreciate your answer
1: sure no problem thank you for your call that was a great and i'm actually really glad you asked that question because many people um will face that exact uh question talking to jehovah's witnesses so uh, that's a, a great great call so uh,
0: yeah i appreciate knowing that going forward <laughs> all right Thanks again. all
1: right perfect well thank you for your call david and you have a great day you too bye bye All right. God bless. All right. Well, we have open lines right now, so feel free to call in today. You can call us at 303-690-3000, or you can text at 720-336-0897. This is Pastor Nate Morris from Calvary, Belmar, hosting uh, the program today on the Monday edition. And uh, we've got callers today from Colorado Springs all the way up through Cheyenne, Wyoming, and... Um, We have listeners on the East Coast as well, in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Maryland, our Hope FM listeners. So I would love to hear from some of you guys today as well. So feel free to call us, 303-690-3000. I'm gonna take just a quick second and look through our text messages. Looks like we have quite a few of them. Um, Let's see here, take a look here. So one person texted um, one thing I would I like to share with Mormons is asking them what happens after they die if they're good enough they believe it can become their own gods and I've been out that those same ideas were present in Genesis 2. I think it was in Isaiah um, I think this person might have had a little bit of autocorrect stuff but um, but one person it sounds like what they're saying is they they uh, when they share with Mormons is asking them what happens if you die if they're Good enough ultimately Mormons believe they kind of become their own gods. And I'm not going to dig too far into Mormon doctrine, but that's that is what they believe. Um and but the reality is is they're not good enough. And it's so clear that we can see that from the scriptures and you can point that out to them by the scriptures that there is there's no one good, not one. Um, and so that that really is the best place to start because if they think that they're going to be saved by their good works, and then they see well, I'm not going to be good enough, then they have to rely on grace, which is the greatest gift that we know that we can't be good enough, but Jesus paid the price for us. And so, um, yeah, I think re- reminding them that they're not good enough would be a-, a great way to do that. Okay, what is your opinion regarding a secular, regarding a church that plays secular music in church? So this is a, a text that's come in. What is your opinion regarding a church that plays secular music in in church. Um, so I I'm, I hate to, to, you know, I don't want to pick on any churches specifically. I don't, I'm not a fan of that. I, I believe that when you gather for church, what you're doing is coming together and worshiping the Lord. And to me, um, worshiping the Lord should be worshiping the Lord, singing songs about God, singing songs to God, um, not singing whatever's popular for the day. And, I, you know, I know this has been a popular thing in some churches, and it really actually started in the Young Life uh, outreach movement. Um, young Life, they get kids together, and they're gospel-focused, and there's a great ministry there in Young Life. But things that you do in Young Life shouldn't necessarily be things that you transfer over into church, because they're different ministries, churches for believers. Uh, And this is kind of, I think, probably where I differ um, from those churches that might do that. A lot of those churches might think of their church as being for outsiders, for making people comfortable coming to church. But the reality is that church is for the building up of Christians. Uh, The purpose of church is to equip Christians to go out and reach the world. And so um, does coming together as the church and singing secular songs, does that equip Christians to go out and reach the world? I don't believe that it does. Um, and so we, we see in Ephesians chapter 4, kind of gives us some insight into what the church should look like. And it says in Ephesians four eleven, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And what that section of scripture is saying is that the gifts of, of someone being an apostle and a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor teacher, those are offices within the church that are given to the church to equip the church as a whole to do the ministry. And so this is where I believe that some of us get off uh, in our understanding of church in America is that we think of ministry being done by those who are pastors and those who are leaders in the church. And yes, absolutely, they are. But the reality is the job of a pastor or a prophet or an evangelist is to equip you, the average church member, to do the work of the ministry. You are the one doing the ministry. You're the foot soldier going out and ministering to those uh, who are lost. And so I, I don't believe that we should be doing that by um, playing secular music in church. So um, that is my opinion. You asked f- for my opinion. That is kind of what I think there. So uh, let's take a look here. Alright, gonna get a couple more text questions. We have a lot of them today. But before we do, want to invite you. We've got open lines to call in. 303 303- 6903000. You can also text us again at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. This is Pastor Nate Morris from Calvary Belmar in Lakewood, Colorado. And uh, if you live on the west side of Denver or Golden, um, Arvada, Wheat Ridge, Littleton would love to have you join us for service sometime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 10:45 a.m., and we're at 1 Garrison Street, so just just near the Belmar shopping area, if you know where that is. Would love to have you join us. Once again, you can call today with your questions or prayer requests at 303-690-3000, or you can text at 720-336-0897. All right, going to take a quick look here at some of these texts that have come in. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Um, why are animal sacrifices to be reinstated during the millennial age? If Jesus is the only real sacrifice, why are we returning to this act? Um, so this is a great question, and ultimately the, the animal sacrifices in the millennial age are not for um, for sin necessarily. They're uh, as a as a worship to the Lord, and um, it, it's not the same sense that it was in the Old Testament. And really, the Old Testament sacrifices, what they did, is point to. Um, the, the work that Jesus would do. And so nobody in the Old Testament was saved by sacrificing an animal. Um, and so the, the, the problem that we run into is people think, well, people were saved in the Old Testament by sacrifice. People are saved in the New Testament by um, what Jesus did on the cross. And the reality is um, that, that people in the Old Testament were saved the same way that you are going to be um, saved, and that's by the blood of Jesus. And so um, this isn't returning to an old system of being saved because they weren't saved by those sacrifices. Um, That Old Testament system has been fulfilled, um, but it's going to be going forward with new things and so uh the the millennial law in the millennium will it'll contain a mixture of kind of some mosaic type laws with uh new things that are not found in there under the new covenant and so um jesus is going to be physically present and so there's not going to be um th- the way that it was in the old temple but the the sacrifices there is not for forgiveness of sin but really out of a, a, a worship to the lord it'll, it'll be different than um, what we see in the Old Testament. And so people in the Old Testament were saved the same way that we are today and in the New Covenant in, in, in the Millennial Age, uh, they're not sacrificing to be saved, they're sacrificing um, as a basically coming before the Lord and worship in that. All right, let's take a quick look here. We've got a couple more text questions that have come in. Uh, once again, if you'd like to call us today, you can call 303 690 three thousand or you can text seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven we had another caller text in um, what are your thoughts on infant baptism and we discussed that a little bit earlier um but has texted why do some people baptize children and others don't and so i'll just address this briefly again uh, we talked about this on the first half of the program but the reason that um that people baptize children often, it depends on their, their group that they're with. And so um, in the Catholic church, baptism is a sacrament. It's one of the things that ultimately in their view is required for salvation. Um, and so they baptize people when they're kids and um, in different churches, you'll find different things. But as far as an evangelical view goes, as far as specifically uh, our view goes in Calvary Chapel is that baptism is a choice Uh, That uh, someone who has placed their faith, their trust in Jesus makes. It's a choice that they make as they have put their faith in Jesus. They've received forgiveness of sins, they've been made a new creation. They're now doing this outward work that displays that inward work that Jesus has done in their lives. And so uh, it's an outward symbol of an inward work. And so for that reason, um, my personal belief is that baptism should be reserved for those who are able to make a personal public proclamation of their faith. Um, And I don't personally believe it should be for children. Uh, But then again, there are those churches that do infant baptism in the sense of, Um, um, really almost like a dedication. They don't view it as salvation-related, as more of a dedication uh, to the Lord. I I don't really understand that view, but um, we do child dedications at our church as well in a different way. Um, We dedicate ourselves to raise those kids to know Jesus as best as we can. So you can call in today with your questions, 303-690-3000. We've got open lines. Would love to take any questions that you've got today. Or you can text 720-336-0897. And, you know, at at our church this past week, we were talking about um, what your foundation is set on. What is your foundation? And um, we get a picture of this in Luke. uh, And we get where Jesus is speaking, and he says, um, I'm going to tell you what... These two types of people can be um, where you build your house on the rock or you build your house on the sand. And you see in Luke chapter 6, uh, he says this in Luke six forty-seven. he says, Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, and it immediately fell, and the ruin of that house was great. And what we were talking about uh, at our church as we were kind of going through this is... What really is your foundation? And of course, as a believer in Jesus, I know that I'm saved, I belong to him, but is my foundation, the, the thing that I build my life on, Jesus? Have you been building your life on Jesus or have you been building your life on your career or your relationship with your spouse or on your kids? Um, and we talked about the importance of having our foundation set on who Jesus is, because all that other stuff can be ripped out from underneath you. And when you don't have a foundation, uh, your house will fall as soon as the storms come. And so just, just a little bit of encouragement for you today. And, uh, looks like we have, uh, Nick from Lakewood on line one. Nick, welcome, welcome to the program. Hey, Nate, thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. What can we do for you today?
6: Uh, well, so I had a, uh, A quick question for you. Uh, I've been doing a Bible study through Hebrews
1: 11.
6: I when he speaks about in chapter, or in verse 4, I think it is, he talks about Abel. Um, He says, though he being dead, his blood still still speaks um, through faith. And I was just wondering how that um, kind of reflects onto... I guess, faith. Why, why does this faith cause his blood to still speak? And what does that mean, that his blood still speaks in
5: faith?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, so really, when it says that the blood of Abel speaks, it, it, what it's speaking is um, the fact that he had a, a better sacrifice than Cain. So when he came, his offering to the Lord was made in faith. It wasn't made out of um, his own works. It wasn't made out of how great he thought he was, but it was humbly coming before the Lord in faith. Um, And it spoke, his blood really speaks of his righteousness before the Lord in that. And um, Abel, in his wickedness, we see his heart by the the acts that followed. Um, He offered a sacrifice that was not pleasing to the Lord. And it wasn't because of what he brought. It was because of his heart behind it. His heart was wicked. His heart was self-serving. And he was looking for... Uh, personal glory. And so out of that, when God accepted Abel's offering and didn't accept Cain's offering, Cain, of course, we know the story where he killed Abel, that was the first murder, and his blood stained the ground. And his blood essentially in that speaks of um, that better witness that he had. He was a righteous man. And, And essentially, he was kind of the first martyr, if you will, um, mm-hmm. because he was accepted by God um, and was despised because of that. And so yeah. it, it, it really is kind of a metaphor when it's saying that it, his blood speaks in that, if that makes sense.
6: Yeah, yeah. No, that was my question, whether it, it was referring to you know the blood from him being murdered or the blood of his sacrifice. Um, so that, that makes sense. And then uh, I did have a, a prayer request, too. Um my wife and I are kind of stepping up, taking on um some more responsibility in ministry and uh we've been hit under a lot of financial strain lately. Um so if you could just pray for us that would
1: be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I I'll tell you that as you step into to really honoring the Lord and serving the Lord, which is an amazing thing, um you will experience, you'll experience financial strain, you'll experience sp- spiritual attack as well. And I don't say that to discourage you, but just that you, so that you're ready when it comes, you know, that um, God, you're building, as I was talking about a second ago, you're building your foundation on that rock of Jesus and the storms will come and you'll weather the storms, but they will be there. So let's definitely lift that up before the Lord together. Absolutely. Lord, um, I come to you and just lift up Nick and his family to you. And as they have stepped into ministry in a new way, Lord, and as they're um, stepping out of their comfort zone a little bit in this, Lord, I pray that you would equip them by your Holy Spirit to do what you've called them to do. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them. And I pray that you would provide for them, Lord, for their financial needs. You know what they need, Lord. Um, and we trust that you'll give them enough, just as you said, Lord. If you can if you can clothe the lilies of the field as you do, Lord, you can certainly clothe us. And so I pray um, for your provision for them. I pray that you would encourage them and build them up in the faith, Lord. I pray that as they step into ministry, you would equip them. You would work powerfully through them. And I just pray for a great season of ministry in this next season for them, Lord. And I pray that they would uh, be aware of the enemy's attacks as they come, because they will come. Uh, If you put your your hand to the plow, the opposition comes, Lord. And so would you um, just help them to be aware of those, of those fiery darts from the enemy, that they'd hold up that shield of faith, Lord, trusting in you and walking in your spirit and honoring you, Lord. And so uh, we pray all these things together in Jesus' name. Amen.
6: Amen. Thank
1: you so much, Matt. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for your call. All right, we are coming up on the end of the program here in just a minute. So I'm going to take a quick look and see if we had any more text questions come in. Let's see. Um, There was a person that texted in that said that they had um, been struggling with marijuana. And uh, they can't seem to stop. And both this person and their husband have been dealing with this, and it's always there. And you know, I, I just want to encourage you, if that's you, just to, to, to come before the Lord and leave it with Him. Um, I know that it, it's technically legal. But just because something's legal doesn't mean that it's beneficial. Uh, As we know in the scripture, it says all things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. Uh, We also see in other places that it says don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. I think that absolutely applies uh, to marijuana as well. And so uh, if that's you that's struggling with that and you're battling it, you already know that, you know in your heart, otherwise you wouldn't have texted it in, uh, that you don't really want to be doing that anymore. I want to encourage you that God has already paid for your freedom from that. He already paid for it with his blood. Jesus paid for your freedom from that addiction through his blood. Uh, It was done 2,000 years ago and you get to walk in faith in what he's already done and that's an amazing thing. And so um, I'll be praying for you. I don't have time to do it right now because we're coming up on the end of the show, but I'll definitely be praying for you if that's you. Uh, and if you would like to text in occasionally for prayer as you battle with that, we would love to to have your back in prayer in that. And you've been listening to the Monday edition of Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris from Calvary Belmar in Lakewood, Colorado. And uh, if you live in the, the West Denver area, we'd love to have you join us sometime. We meet on Sundays at 9 and 1045, and hope you have a blessed day, and thank you for joining us uh, on the program today. Tune in tomorrow for Pastor Jeff Figgs.